Radio TFS, episode number 83. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. This is Greg Duncan. And this is Paul Hacker. Oh, hey guys, welcome back. It's good to good to have us all back together again, and we're going to do another special show this time, but our special guest is going to be Paul himself. <laughs> is that cheating? This is how we used to do it, you know, because nobody had heard about us, so we just used to just interview each other, so this is fine. <laughs> welcome back to our roots. I uh, was uh, having a, a tweet conversation with uh, MVP Angela Dugan um, uh, during the week, I think maybe at the weekend, and um, I can't remember what she, but she she worked at Fermilab as an intern, which I was like remarkably impressed with because that's basically you know I'm a physicist, so that's you know me a big hero worship place for me. And I was like, wow, it's like working at CERN or something like that. You know, that's impressive. And um, so I was impressed with that. And then she was, she was trying to tell me, oh no, you know you should be you should be feel good about yourself kind of thing because you present a podcast like a famous podcast or something like famous. <laughs> Famous. I knew you, I knew you were a nerd when you said you worked at Fermilab, and now you're telling me that you think Radio TFS is famous. You definitely qualify for double nerdship. So there we go. Anyway, <laughs> so let's crack on. We'll do a quick roundup of the news, shall we, Paul? And then uh, and then we're going to have a chat to you about release management, if that's right. That sounds great. Let's do it. Cool. So uh, um, we released the release candidate of uh, TFS 2013 Update 4. As Greg was saying, he was trying to remember, was like, have we talked about this already? <laughs> <laughs> but this is a different update, Greg. This is uh, this is the 2013. So this is the RTM product, and this is very, very, very ready nearly to ship, Update 4. So, um, yeah, it's it's worth taking a look at. And, you know, it's RC, so do install it. Give us, let us know what you think. And then, you know, obviously... If everything goes to plan, the next thing after RC is it will actually ship it. So it's looking looking pretty close now. There's some there's actually some good stuff in update four. I was looking I was had to play with um an RTM TFS twenty thirteen instance the other day. Mm-hmm. I was like, Wow, you know, there's so much stuff. A lot of a lot of things are if you use VSO then you're already using them. Um so it's it's like all the little tweaks that we've made to work item tracking, you know, around um, like you can search, you can the autocomplete stuff in area path. You can actually search for area paths now, which makes it quicker. And the way URLs work is just nice, you know, and all that sort of thing. And and trend charts and stuff like that being in there, it's all you know, it's all like small. We call them small rocks in the team, but you know, it's, it's all like small tweaks. But oh, it's just nice to have, you know, when you when they're not there, it's like wow, this, this doesn't feel right. Right? And then you realise why. Um, I, I probably buried the lead. The biggest, the biggest change in uh, that kind of comes with update four is the um, the stakeholder licensing support. Yeah. So this is huge for on premise because if you get update four installed at TFS 2013, then you can basically open it up to your entire business to create bugs and view bugs and things, and you know it's all set up and you don't have to pay extra for those guys. So that's that's huge news, I think. Are you gonna exist? Are you what? Are you on 2013, Greg? Are you no, we're still 2012 update two. Yeah, um, I've been. You know, every time I like like we talked about the last show with Willie. You know, every time there's, I was going. I want to do that. I want to update. I want to update. I'm going to update. Oh, the next update is about to come out. Well, I'll wait. I'll wait until the next mm-hmm. one comes out. But this one with that stakeholder license, that's the one that's going to push me over the edge. So. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely if you've been holding off on 2013, I would definitely this is the time, you know. Or if you've been holding off on a couple of updates mm-hmm. and you're on like 2013 RTM, I think this is I think update fours, you know, it's very 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 solid and it's got lots of really nice things in. So not only that, it's got we um we so again it's the pull request stuff that we added to Git 
um that was actually added into the dev 14 branch uh so the, like it was it was going to be a dev 14 feature originally when we built it mm-hmm. but it was so cool that we decided to backport it into 2013 update 4 so that's actually pull request is in there as well now so that's that's really really cool um and that's a huge that's actually we use it all the time for code reviews with git mm-hmm. um so that's actually quite a huge feature and then again, there's lots of little things that came along, like um, being able to show bugs, bugs on the backlog. Um, code lens is a lot faster, and the way it works is really good in, in uh, you know, the way that it works on the server side. Um, and then there's a bunch of little things around the test stuff, but most importantly, you can actually do charting on the test cases as well, you know, and have them on your homepage and things like that. So it's all good. It's you know, it's a solid, uh, a solid release. So I would definitely check it out if um, it'd be the one I would go for if I was picking some. Um, so yeah, it's it's very good. Um, speaking of. Um, the Willie P interview. Uh, I, Willie did a um, a blog post after the show. You know, we asked him the question about um, uh, cadence, you know, yeah. cadence and stuff. And he, Willie P, being the guy and the kind of guy that he is, he gave us an answer and then he went away and had a deep think about it and came, and came up with like a, a you know a great blog post. So I'll, I'll include a link in the show notes to that as well. It's worth reading. Um, yeah, it really was not my intent to throw him a curveball. I think he titled the. The, the blog post but oh yeah no i don't think it was a cool at the time either it was more one of those that you know you know when somebody asks you a question and you go away and you think oh you know <laughs> i've answered that one way but like i kind of wish i had about an hour just to cover that one question <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so as, as, as paul's about to find out i guess yeah um yeah so yeah that, i mean that's probably um some of the uh update four news this is get, get get it if you can or wait till we ship rtm and then get that one anyway and speaking of update four uh our great mvp communities out there and they're actually rolling up the features and if you're trying to sell it to yourself you know in your head as to why you want to update um Mohammed Rodwin has uh, done a nice post for the TFS Update 4 CTP2 features and releases. So um, this was before the RC. Uh, he t- uh, this was uh, dated October 13th. So this was before the RC. But the important thing is uh, he goes into nice detail about all of these new features that we've been talking about from that MVP point of view. Not that, you know, Martin's point of view is, is bad or anything, but, you know, he's looking at it. Uh, Muhammad is looking at it from the outside and thinking. Yeah, is it from it, actual so. real value, not, not like <laughs> a real amount person. of work value. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I always looked at how hard it was to do rather than, you know, how, how actually useful it is. So, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And Muhammad's view is probably a lot more, definitely a lot more valid than mine. Yeah, and to follow that note, um, we'll stay on the 2013.4 release candidate, uh, Sachi Williamson. She's over at Northwest Cadence, and she has a blog post on why the 2013.4 RC rocks. And again, she talks about a lot of the things we've already mentioned, like the stakeholder licensing and pull requests and the testing updates, especially the charting. But one of the things that Martin kind of breezed over, but I think it's really important because I get this asked all the time, is the fact that you can toggle whether bugs show up on the backlog now. To me, that's awesome. I don't know about anybody else, yeah. but that is, that is just a fantastic feature. And I think if nothing else, you know, just that in itself for a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of customers, they want that. It's, it's a great time, like you say, to go to 20, 2013.4. 
um, where I'm at, we're going to have to wait till the uh, RTEM comes out of it. But uh, I can still play with it by myself. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's um, it's definitely it's definitely good. I think that one's been on for VSO for a little while as well. So it's one of those ones, you know. I was like, yeah, does everybody not have this? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was at um, an internal uh, uh, user's office yesterday, and we we're just going through some stuff, and I was like, there's something missing here, and then I realised it's you know because of updates that come out to 2013 and stuff. It's amazing. Anyway, Paul, we should talk about release management. If you, you, you you've been busy with release management lately. Yes, I've been very busy with release management. It's it's been a l- great learning experience. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always uh, always worrying. And and is this with one particular customer, or have you been going around? Have you actually had no? This is actually one one particular customer. I've been doing um, code camps. So, like I mentioned in the last show, I've been doing mm. a code camp almost every weekend. Well, uh, most of them are focused around um, release management or ALM features in TFS. And this weekend is no different. I'm going to Tallahassee and I'm speaking on release management again um so but for customer deployments i've only been doing it with one customer but this is a huge deployment um, yeah. it's, it's it's really big so do you want to start us off by um do you want to just kind of explain you know give the elevator pitch for what release management is what it does what it's good for yeah so release management is just it's a tool that microsoft purchased and has released um it's a standalone tool it's not integrated like into the tfs tooling or it's not a visual studio integration um it integrates with tfs build and what it's designed for is to create predictable release pipelines so that way with approval gates so as you're releasing your software to your dev and your stage and your prod environments you're 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 guaranteeing that you know the same bits are going out to those environments uh, and that the approval process is, is flowing and people are approving it to bring it in and to approving it to go out. Uh, so really that's what it is. It's a great way to just manage your release pipeline in, in a predictable manner. And what does it take as its input into the release pipeline? You know, what what are you releasing? So what we're releasing on our side um, with the customers I'm with are uh, web applications. So um, it's great. We're deploying to many servers um, all over the world. Uh, but um, um, you can really deploy any anything you're deploying out to a, to a server environment. Um, you can deploy with release management. Um, so you know if if it's not a, if it's some other type of application that lives on a server, um, you could deploy it. So maybe you're deploying the back end pieces, um, you know, or the databases even. Just the databases need to be deployed consistently. That can all happen with release management. So the release management, it's is it an actual automation of those deployment of the bits to the the stage and, and QA stage and production, or is it just uh, an approval workflow kind of you know email checking it off or is it both it's really both so so okay. what what it is is um uh it has the approval workflow but it also under the covers it's using windows workflow so think about the build templates you have in tfs Right. In in our in our M, you create the same thing. You create these Windows workflow templates that um just, that you tell you know these set the activities on it and tell it what you want to do with the bits that you're going to deploy to the environment. So that's how you set it up. Cool. So it's actually rolling the bits out, like you said, the, the database updates. Mm-hmm. It's physically applying them to the given yes. environment, so it's highly repeatable. Got that's it. exactly correct. Yes, yes. And that's the beauty of the tool is it's highly repeatable and it's very predictable. And does it have like pre-built things in for, you know, 
you want to like futz with your web config on the way over or you want to you know and put sql in passwords in strings and things like that does it help you do all those sorts of things or do so, you have to script those separately so some things you have to script separately so for example web transform web config transforms um or encryption of passwords that people put in web configs that stuff yeah. we, we use powershell as scripts to run and, and, and encrypt that stuff and, and to uh, do the transformations um but it does have a lot of built-in tools are called or actions or components. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, each one of those things do different things. So a component, for example, usually picks up from a drop location. So your component might be install the bits on the server and you tell it go back to the build drop location and it picks it up. Um, an action could be something like create me a folder or delete a file or delete a folder or rename a folder or whatever. Those are actions. And all of them are revolving around these things called tools. So under the covers of a release, so let's say we're using the component to pick up the bits from the drop location and drop it onto the server, it's using a wrapper around Xcopy. And so that's a tool that's built into the, it's called the Xcopy deployer. And there's a, a, a bunch of tools built in and you can create your own. We do our own all the time, uh, our own components, our own tools, all that. And what do you write those in? Those, t- those tools? So, so you they, use the, is it all WF or? No, no, you actually use. Um, release management to create so maybe we want to call um, a wrapper around PowerShell. So we'll create mm-hmm. a tool called you know PowerShell XE or whatever and we'll we'll tell it these are the parameters, you know, it's going to have a parameter come in maybe install, uh, you know, path to the PS1 file, for example. Um, so you can use the interface and you just create your own tools that are going to be used and basically what they're doing is they're running executables of some sort or running commands of some sort. Um, and, so, and so that's what we use them for. So is uh, release management like a server, a service, an agent? Is it uh, all of those, that's, all of the above? Yeah, yeah, it is, Greg. It's, um, so what it is is it's a, basically you have the server product. That's what you install. It has a database on the back end. Um, it's different than the TFS database, so I always get asked questions. Do you <laughs> use version control of the templates? No, we do not at this time. Um, but it also is um, – so it's a server piece. There's a client piece, and then there's the deployer piece. Now, you can install the deployer on all the servers that you're going to deploy to, and you use a service account to communicate back to TF, back to release management server. And then it lights up inside release management server, and you add that server to, to the user interface, and the server knows, okay, hey, I got this deployer out there. There's also what they call DSC or desired state configuration. So if you're running deployments across trusted domains, you can use this desired state configuration um, rather than installing a deployment agent because a lot of companies don't want to install stuff on their, on, especially in their production boxes or anything near production, production minus one even. They don't want to install stuff on their machine all the time, but they can take advantage if you're in 2008, I believe R2 or, or higher you can get the desired state configuration to work. Some of it's built into the OS, some of it's not, depending on the OS. So, yeah, so it's so all it's, of those different pieces. Okay. And is it, it's just, it just deploys to Windows servers, does it? I know, I'm just saying just, but, yeah, it's not cross-platform or anything. It's... No, we're, and, and, and I'm, it's not cross-platform, and we're not doing anything cross-platform or, or attempting to do anything cross-platform. Uh-huh. So, yeah, this yeah, no, time just interesting. Yeah. But that said, I'm sure you could find a way to – make it work with something else. I mean, the, the unfortunate thing is there's no API available for it. There's no open API, I should say, available for it. So you can't really do anything on, you know, beyond what the tool is built for at this time. And then who uses it? Like, who, who what's the UI and who who's expected to use that UI? So there's, there's 
when you talk about the UI, the UI is there for what they call like release managers or people that are going to build out the release templates. Um, okay. Okay. So most those are mostly the people that are going to use the thick client. There is an approval website um, that you get set up with the server, and it's usually um, your RM server name slash release management port one thousand. That's by default, and that's the okay. path to the where you can do approvals. So somebody's cool. system is an approver. Now it doesn't give you a lot of information, and I get this request all the time. It's like, how do I tie it back to something? It's it's kind of difficult because it doesn't include the build number that you're releasing. Um, where in the thick client it does. So depending on your needs, you may need to use the thick client to go through the approval process. But if all you care about is just doing the approval, click the button, you can go through the website and do that. So just depending on your needs. Most of the time, the people in the thick client are your release managers. Now, sorry, I'm, just, I'm asking loads of, good, no. loads of questions here, if this is okay. <laughs> uh, when you're doing the um, releasing, is there a way... Um, see, we, I know we use Release Manager internally for some of our for our deployments, some of the stuff. And I know that um, we get because a deployment for us takes uh, you know takes a full week sometimes. You know, by the time we because we, we deploy it across loads of different environments and things, and we do sure. it in different stages. So, um, do you get like can you get email? Can you alerts through this or out the tool? I know we do that, but I'm not sure how much we've customized to make that happen. Yeah, no, that's actually built in. So you can turn on okay. or off, um, toggle on or off the approvals. Um, so who gets notified when something comes into their queue? So that's yeah, that's built in, and you want to turn it on. And when you create that um, release, it's you can. I'm just. It's, it's kind of boggling my mind. I was thinking about this. How cool that is. Hey chaps, can we uh, reset? I just lost a whole bunch of that then, and I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it was the recording or me. Okay. So, uh, so I I asked. Um, what was the question I asked? You asked I about, asked about email. the email. Email. Okay, so email. And then you you give the answer, Paul. Sorry. So yeah, so it's built into the tool. Um, people can toggle on or off whether or not the approver team will get our approver person will get an email through the system. Cool. So is it broken up where there's different approvers for different stages? So yeah, like- so there's two approvers per or a minimum of two approvers per stage or two approver groups per stage. So the first stage. So let's talk dev. Let's talk a dev stage production release path as those three stages the first stage is always automatically deployed to if you're running a build from tfs so if i kick off a build in tfs it automatically deploys to my first stage without an approver you can't turn that off right now so it automatically deploys so that's usually dev and they don't care let it go auto deploy but beyond that you can set up an approver who validates it so once the, it's been deployed somebody goes in and validates it whether they're running bvts or doing manual or testing they're they're verifying that the actual application's working then they can they can approve that to move to the next stage so now we're in qa or i mean staging and in staging they have um approvers to, to accept it into the environment to deploy. So somebody will get a new notification saying, hey, you got something in your queue. They'll look, they'll see, okay, yeah, is this ready to deploy to QA? Let's deploy it. And then again, a validator for that stage, you know, to verify it to go on to the next stage. 
So that's how it works. And you can add multiple validators beyond that. So if somebody validates the code and says, or the application and says, hey, it's great, you could have another approver be the sign-off person that says, okay, I'm signing off that this has been validated. It's all set to go. Let me move it over to another queue um, or another stage. And that can be a separate individual than the approver who's actually doing the validation. And it's it's like so. Can you have it driven straight from the output of a CI build on TFS? Then could it? And then is that does that deploy? And then you pick the one you want to push to the next stage. That sort of thing. So yeah. So um, you, you as long as you're running a build in TFS, it can use what they call the release template. So um, or the, the um, yeah the release template. So there's a special template made for TFS for release management. Has a little section in there whether or not you tell it whether or not this build is going to be a release build. Um, you set that to true and you go in the tool and you set the, the release to true, you know, and so now they know that they're supposed to release to this particular uh, release path um, in stages. Um, and then, yeah, so then you kick off your CI build, it runs, it deploys, and and then it just keeps deploying those bits. Now, mm-hmm. you have the ability to go in and say, I want to automatically deploy these bits from a week ago, let's say. So you can go in and create a release right in the tool and point it back to any build that was just, uh, at least a um, partially successful build. It will pick it up in RM, and you can deploy those bits out to your environments. Cool. Yeah, I'm just – I'm imagining back to not too long ago when we would – create our builds small organization dev organization not my current shop but uh, a past life and we would physically actually burn cds and walk cds down to qa and then that cd would go over to production and the rollouts because there were multiple steps we had sql servers we had services we had um uh, web services uh, other sites other executables, Citrix servers to update. Uh, so it was pretty much a major pain in the butt to roll these things out because you had to orchestrate them correctly. And the only orchestration that we really had was documentation for it. With mm-hmm. release manager and release management, we can script all that. And again, like we said earlier, make it highly repeatable without giving away the keys. So our QA team is in charge of their part they're responsible for it and then they can move that forward then our staging team who is different can roll their part on their schedule when they need it to go it's not some sort of fully automated push it everywhere it's automated push it look at it a human looks at it a human validates it and then they trigger it on to the next step Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And like with the customer I'm at, we have to actually open a CR every time or a change request every mm-hmm. time we want to deploy to a different environment. Um, so it's it, it's not just push it out there and let it go. It's, you know, this team's responsible for QA, this team's responsible for staging and then training and production and so on. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Yeah. I remember the last real job I had before I came to work at Team Prize and then Microsoft. And we just used to have endless issues you know we had like totally great ci build system and you know we had like 120 yeah. percent test coverage and everything and but we would have endless issues with getting the thing deployed to production because the deployment part was where we handed over and it you know it was all done manually like you say greg by documentation and the the, the guys that did that were forever you know missing steps of web config and blah 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 and all that sort of stuff and nowadays you know when i do it with like with coplex and with tfs 
podcast this is just all scripted so it's it's in it you know you, part of the thing that you test when you deploy to in different environments is that you've got your deploy scripts correct and so you know you're you're testing your deploy logic through these environments as well as actually testing the the thing you've deployed you've deployed so yeah yeah uh, and one of the things you both mentioned was scripting and one of the things that i just kind of have a tip that i'm going to throw out there for people is we found that by using a PowerShell script to do most of the work, we mm. were able to take a – okay, so we deploy in one environment, one stage. We deploy to 14 servers. They're load balanced, 7 and 7. And we deploy to those 14 servers in five minutes. Now, we had it deploying in 75 minutes. And when we were using activity after activity on, on release management, but when we decided to take and run one activity that runs a behemoth PowerShell script that's broke out into all the steps it needs to go through, we cut it from 75 minutes down to five minutes for those seven servers, or 14 servers. It's amazing the speed that you get out of it when you use strictly PowerShell. So I don't know if that's a performance thing Microsoft will work on in the future or if that's just something the tool is going to do and there's no way around it. But scripting, I'm not really sure. We're, we're, we're kind of still investigating that one. Interesting. It's it's just it's the net, it's the next logical step, isn't it? All this stuff. I mean, there's this stuff and there's things like Chef and Puppet as well. Because yeah, in the old days, it used to be that the the doing the build was a manual thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You would press F6 in in Visual Studio and then copy some bits over, and there was like one guy that knew how to do the build and the whole team. And <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. And, I totally remember and, that batch file. <laughs> yeah, but now it's now. But in many companies, there's like one guy that knows how to do the deployment you know and and or, or you know a team anyway that knows how to do the deployment nobody else can so by by automating it and point what i love is the the fact that the approval ui is just web-based so once you've configured the deployment in the in the fancy you know dubf tool you it, you're basically just looking at a website from then on paul to, to do the day-to-day exactly exactly yeah that's all you really need to do yeah it's great so what what what's the uh, what's it like to get up and running? Is it like are we talking? Okay, so I, I have degrees of degrees of difficulty in deployment now. <laughs> Let's, is it is it is it a TFS basic edition? I remember when TFS was like the other end of the curve, but now it's pretty simple. So is it TFS? Is it lab management, or is it somewhere in between? It's somewhere in between. Okay, and it all depends okay. on what you're doing. <clears throat> okay, so to install the server piece is very simple. To install the deployers is very simple. To employ can you install, install- a server on your TFS AT <clears throat> if you're like a small shop, you know, like like sure, Greg, could you, you could, install, you like, could, yes. In fact, I know I, I know one person has done that, so yes, I know it's possible. I don't do it, but I know it's possible. Um, yeah. but um, so deploying the bits is simple. It's configuring the deployment agents to RM that gets tricky depending on how your environment's set up. So most of the customers I work with have their RM server in a production domain, but all their dev, QA, and staging domains are, are non-trusted domains. So they know mm-hmm. nothing about each other. And therein lies the problem of trying to make this thing work. Now you got to do things like open the credential vault and add the credentials to a shadow account. And that shadow account has to get added to RM and then the communication can start to happen you know so it all depends on what you're if all you're doing is a single domain you're deploying the bits great set it up and you, you can even use DSC and not even use the deployment agents um, you're going to have a much easier time it's across those untrusted domains that most big organizations have where you're going to spend all the time um, you know configuring and setting it up 
Okay. And then obviously if your service accounts have, you know, short lifetime passwords mm-hmm. and things and keeping mm-hmm. it running is going to be fun. Yep, yeah, exactly. So what we get is what we call deviated accounts or accounts that don't change their password for 365 days or 180 okay. days. So that way then it's not a lot of maintenance. And you can try that in yeah. your organization. If you're a big organization wanting to use this, look into that if you're going to need that, you know, type of setup. Okay. Yeah. So it's easy to install. But is this really this is really focused for the bigger projects, right? This isn't for the small line of business application written in WPF talking to one SQL Server database. Uh, you know, the application is used by 10, 15 people. Uh, is, is release management overkill for that or is it? It basically- all depends. And it really, it all depends, Greg, on how predictable and how important is it that the bits, same bits go through all the stages, how, and, and that this is a very predictable release. If, if, if my line of business application is my bread and butter and I'm relying on some guy in, in a closet to deploy the code to the servers when I <laughs> hand him the CD or hand him the email in the bits or tell him go download this from TFS and deploy it, then yeah, I may start looking at RM. Yes, it might be a, a sledgehammer, but again, if my line of business application is my business, then I'm going to feel a lot more warm fuzzies if I'm able to completely um, remove that middleman and deploy successfully uh, and predictably with this tool. So that really cool. what I look at. It. That's how I look at it. You know, it's just uh, yeah. The thing is as well, it's like even if you just one guy, like with RedTFS, that you know by just by automating different parts of the, of the production pipeline and just making it easier for us to push out shows just means that we get more shows and, and it's the same with builds the easier it is to to push a build out the door the more likely you are to go well you know i fixed one thing i'm going to push it live anyway because it's just a push of a button for me you know and i can predict it and yeah so the easier it is to deploy then the more likely you are to deploy i guess exactly exactly and then there goes you know to the heart of agile you know now we're really being agile in our dev- development and we're being agile in our deployment yeah cool so yeah, it's a fun it- tool Release management right now is totally on-prem, right? There's no VSO kind of or cloud No, there, it's, it doesn't use the VSO build server. But if your VSO talks to an on-prem build server, okay, then okay. why couldn't we find a way to tie it in? Um, that's my thinking. Now, I haven't done it because, again, you need the, the, the process template in VSO, to be able for to, to for it to work, so you're gonna need it stored in source control. But I'm thinking there's got to be a way you can make that work and make it work successfully. Yeah, yeah. But the, and installing an on-prem build agent and pointing it at VSO is ridiculously easy as well. It just works, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so I would think that I've never tried it. I haven't. And that's probably what I should do is try it because I'm just so swamped with everything else. It's hard to right now, but. Uh, you know, maybe I'll give it a shot and see, or somebody out cool. there gives it a shot. They can let us know, um, you know, by emailing us or calling us. So what are the gotchas, Paul? What's, what's been giving you heartache with it as well? You know, it's, you say it's great and you're glad you're using it, but the why is it making you so busy? Biggest thing, there was two big issues. Um, well, first off, because we're deploying on our release, our, our pilot, we're deploying to 75 servers in five different countries. 
And, wow. and so it, that's just a pilot to see if it's actually going to be feasible. Um, and there might even be more than 75. At last count, I had 75 servers we were deploying to. So it, and are all or 90% of them are in untrusted domains. And the struggle of figuring out how to set this thing up and work correctly across untrusted domains, even though there's information out there, nothing always quite worked. And then, of course, the company has policies like we don't open the credential vault. It's a group policy to keep it shut. And we yeah. don't allow service accounts to be admins on the box. Sorry. And, oh, by the way, we just don't even want you to know the service account password, so you can't even configure it. Somebody else has to. So a lot mm-hmm. of it's been a around the policies that organizations have in place, uh, more so than the tool. The other struggle we had was actually how do you migrate it from our test? We had a test server where we were setting it up. We didn't want to lose our work, so we wanted to migrate it to production. So that's really simply a, a database back up and move over to the new SQL server, okay? You'd think it's pretty straightforward. The problem is, is I was in an untrusted domain in dev. And in the untrusted domain, my credentials don't exist in the production domain where I just moved to. So therefore, I couldn't even open the tool. Therefore, I had to get a hold of Microsoft. And they said, yeah, you go in the database and you actually hack it. And then you can get it to work um, and, and you can start to add the users. Episode 83 of Radio TFS is brought to you by SAS Made Easy a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and TFS ALM consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com or via email at sales at S-A-A-S-M-A-D-E-E-A-S-Y.com. And a quick question, Paul. Does SAS Made Easy do uh, host release management? No, we don't host release management yet. Is that is that a licensing issue? Is that just because you haven't had to? We just we just haven't done it yet. Um, but we we're, we want to. We we definitely want to do it. Yeah, it's in the works. Cool. It'd be quite a good way of selling a whole load of VMs. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and and one of the beauties of it is, is even if we were to host your release management server, you can deploy to Azure with update three of release management. I mean, yeah, yeah, hey. release management. So yeah, you got some options. <laughs> definitely want to look at it because if maybe you provide somebody a nice build uh, a build server exactly and the, you know that might be good that's maybe a business opportunity there <laughs> exactly cool so, hey paul uh, so we've probably gone done enough with uh, that so should we go for the should we wrap up the news and things sure sure so one of the great things that i love talking about and i'm sure everybody likes to talk about is licensing that's because <laughs> They've got a new licensing white paper out. Um, not much has changed. I would just suggest that people, it'll be in our show notes, go download it, peruse it if you're interested in the licensing. I'm always confused by it, so I don't even pretend to think that I'm a licensing person. Um, but it's out there and available, so go check it out. I think the biggest change is stakeholder. Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yes, the stakeholder licensing, everybody wants to look at that. Yep. Cool. I got a, an email from the UTU consulting guys, uh, just pointing me to a couple of apps that they've uh, an, announced, you know, with all the APIs that we have nowadays and the OAuth support and stuff. Um, they've done a Windows phone app and a Windows store application for TeamRoom. So um, you can go in and you go into the app and, uh, you know, OAuth authenticate your VSO account and then you can access TeamRoom from your, your phone and your, your, window, you know, your Windows tablet, your RT tablet and stuff, and it all works pretty well it's uh there's a few improvements i'm going to send to them like i would love to be able to pin a particular team room to my start menu so i can get into it really quick 
But apart from that, it seems to be working really well. So, uh, yeah, good. I will put a link in the show notes. But uh, good job, guys, and looking forward to seeing the next next release. You can't argue the price either, Greg. It's free, so, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, there we go. Speaking of Visual Studio Online, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Penderson did a nice uh, roll-up post about links to information about it. If you're interested in it, you know, we talk about it a lot. Martin talks about it a lot. Um it's you know it's still free for five users correct so yep. you know but you're still you're trying to figure out what's going on with it um what are the what are the sla what are the terms of service how do you check the status and support uh, migrating to it users in azure active directory integration and service hooks um michael's post ha- covers all of that cool um yeah that's brilliant hey um i probably probably should have mentioned this earlier but did you see the announcement about the uh the connect event that's happening it's a virtual online you know um one of these two-day sort of events we're putting together to to talk about stuff did yeah you see I sure, that, did. sure didn't i shared it with my whole team so yeah so it's going to be it's you know it's kind of free training i guess so there you go it's good but it's one of these ones where um we've got you know a, a few rooms in campus and we're just going to have like put on a load of live sessions talking about um the visual studio v next and azure and there's quite a few um you know i know a lot of people that are busy working on stuff so i would expect some interesting news to come out of it um and a lot of people are heads down getting sessions ready and things so i'm really looking forward to the the day is um November 12th and November 13th. Uh, it's funny, November 12th is the only day that's in my head because that's the day when everything has to be done by. But there <laughs> we go. It's only 19 days, 9 hours, 36 minutes and 37 seconds away at the time of recording. And um, if you go to, um, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's at visualstudio.com. You can get to it from there right now. But uh, you can see uh, an agenda and, um, you know, you've got people like Scott Hanselman and Soma and Scott Guthrie and Brian all giving sessions along with, um, you know, um, I think uh, Daniel Moss. Yeah, Daniel Moss doing a session, and Jay, Jay Schmelzer, and, and uh, our good friend of the show, Brian Keller, as well, will be doing some stuff. And you've got you know, say all sorts of things around the V Next versions, and you know .NET V Next, and uh, yeah, all all very Visual Studio-y, all very .NET-y, all very, uh, you know, ALM-y as well. So it's basically for this audience, it's um, a great couple of days. So, um, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes if you haven't seen it already. And the price is right for that too, so. Exactly, it's all free. Um, it's you all know, online. free trial. All virtual. All online. Too, so yeah. Do it from your desk. There's no excuses, and um, you know, and we'll be recording all these sessions as we always do as well. So it's some, be, be some great content, even if um, it's it's all happening um, quite. It's like six p.m. for me. It happened. No, no, it's not six p.m. It's anyway. It's quite late in the evening for me, so I, I'm not going to be able to watch it all live. But I'll, I'll watch some of the recordings as well. Yeah, it's weird on how day one is from New York and day two is from Redmond. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. Be <laughs> probably to do with the venue. I don't know. I, I, I don't deal with Or I suspect it's like getting people to go to the places as well. But yeah, I, I like in these small, very focused shows. You know what I mean? It's Especially for people like us that are quite specialized. It's brilliant. This is like two days where I know I'm going to get exactly what I need and what I'm interested in. And I'm interested in every single session. So it's great. And it's about that time. It's about that ALM Ranger time of the show. 
Uh, last hmm. show, we talked to Willie, uh, and we talked about the uh, flight plans, and one of the things that was in red on the flight plan was the PowerShell, uh, PowerShell desired state configuration for DevOps and ALM partitioners. Um, and, you know, uh, Paul was just talking about uh, DSC as well. So the ALM Rangers has released V1 of this guide. We'll include a note, uh, a link in the show notes. Willie has a nice forward from it, uh, you know, talking about what this is. You know, he's got to, th- we uh, th- throw in the DevOps. We, he throws in the DevOps. Um, I don't want to call it buzzword, but it's a dream. You know, being a dev and you know, having a real dev ops, that, that is a dream. Uh, and he talks about it here as well. So uh, check out this link. Cool. I just wanted to throw an extra thing in there as well. Um, no, last week, Grant, yeah. Did a, yeah, Grant did a talk. It's, it's totally like not really related to the topic at hand. It was just fascinating. And it's like kind of a thing that both Grant and I are just, um, you know, we, we geek out with each other about all the time. Um, but Grant did a talk on, he called it the tour of the physical internet. Um, and he did it for the .NET user group down in Sydney. But thanks to the amazing technical amazingness of Adam Kogan and SSW, I was able to watch it live from like my desk here in the, in, in Northern Ireland. It was brilliant. So I watched Grant's talk live and the uh, recording is available. Uh, again, we'll put a link over in the show notes, but it's a, a SWTV, uh, which we often have things from. And it's a really fascinating just tour around. The, if you don't think about how the Internet really works, then uh, it's worth thinking about. One thing I wanted to do is call out uh, week after next is the Microsoft Global MVP Summit. Uh, it's going to be 800 plus MVPs from around the world from a bunch of diff- different disciplines are going to be descending on the um, Redmond campus. And that is also our scheduled Radio TFS time. Uh, I'm mm. going to be there at the summit. It's going to be my first summit. I've been reading every all the uh, guides for first-time MVP summiters and stuff. So, uh, uh, you know, I hate being a noob. But uh, what I was thinking, we're going to have all the ALMs there. And I know all of you listening out there, many of you will be there. Uh, I'm going to be there. Martin won't be, so we can make fun of him behind his back. But Sounds good. We should get together and try to do a show or something is that something that you guys out there would be interested in if in uh, hearing anyway uh, yeah exactly. hearing if, if so um and it's going to be actually hard because this is an nda conference so we're gonna to have to be really careful about what we talk about versus what we've seen earlier that day and so on and so forth so that would be interesting but uh, i really want to engage more of the mvps and like you know we've had the interview shows we're gonna have many more interview shows we're gonna have uh, more of the mvps on uh but the mvp summit you know maybe worst case you know we all hang out at the you know i'll buy y'all a beer or something um or a soda, whichever works for you. But let us know. Or if this, as a listener who's not an MVP, who wants to hear more about MVPs or what that means or whatever it is, or if you want to hear anything else, email us, radio tfs at outlook.com. Drop us a voicemail at 1 425 233 8379. Let us know what you think. You know, we, we thrive off of your feedback. Uh, I don't think we've changed our uh, theme song or uh, lead in, lead out yet, bumpers yet. Um, but yeah, we still we listen to the feedback, uh, and, and we'll figure it out. If you guys are an MVP and going to be at the summit, email us there. Um, we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll have a panel. Maybe we'll just talk about uh, a future show attendees or future show guest hosting. 
Um, and we'll take it from there. But uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, you know, I get to, uh, definitely I'm going to meet all of a lot of these people. Like Angela is going to be there, and you know, I get to meet these people that I've talked about so often. Uh, it's I'm like I'm giddy as a schoolgirl, which is kind of <laughs> it should be good. <laughs> Don't worry, we're, we're, they're all a remarkable disappointment when you get to meet them in the flesh, Kirk. Yeah, it is. It's not like you, you just, think. You get lots of uh, heated discussions. The best bit I enjoy is the arguments and stuff, and like the not the not the arguments, but the you know the yeah the discussions and the the back channel uh, Skype conversation, which I'll be in because I'm like being a former MVP. I'm still in. It's like the MVP only back channel where the where the product group people aren't there, and you can see all the MVPs abusing the product group as they go through. So it's really good fun because it's um it's a good week. You get to network, you get to meet a lot of people, you get to meet an interact with all the product group people but you also get to give honest feedback back that's what we appreciate it for over in the product group side you know it is um you've got you know your closest friends in the room and no nobody's your harshest critic than your best friend you know what i mean so uh, it, it's good to get some of that honest feedback and that dialogue flowing about what's good what's bad what we should do different that sort of thing i tell you what let's uh, speaking of what we should do different let's have a silent protest let's keep the or a non-silent protest let an audio protest let's keep the radio tfs theme music for as long as team project rename isn't in tfs and then uh, and we can use that to try and punish me for it not being in there. Yeah. Cool. Hey, well, thank you very much for your time, guys, and uh, okay. thanks for doing the show. And we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. Bye.